good I was overcome by the presence of the Lord in my hotel room today amen Amen. hallelujah I can just feel this presence here right now just lift up your hands How many of you know it's all about him? It has to be all about him. Hallelujah, Lord. And I can feel his presence. Come on, cry out for him to take you deeper. Cry out for him to take you deeper. Holy Spirit, we ask that you take us past the point of no return tonight. Take us past the point of no return tonight. For once and for all, everything of this world is behind us, way behind us, left behind us. Never to wander back and get it. Never to wander back and pick it up. You know, that's one thing about Ruth. She went past the point of no return, amen. She never returned. I mean, no, we need to get past the point of no return. Come on, isn't God good? Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. You know, through my years of ministry and through my years of pursuing the presence of the Lord, you learn things. How many know you got to learn things? And and so you just learn certain things. Amen. How many would just be honest with me and say, you know, Brother Ralph, you know, I just want to get somewhere in the glory and the presence of the Lord, but it seems like something is hindering me. It seems like something is just keeping me from doing that. Lift up your hands. Amen. Just lift up your hands. Amen. Well, I think I have a message here that will help you because I found this out a long time ago. Amen. First of all, what made Israel so powerful and what made them so different than any other nation? We know it was the presence of their God. Everybody say the presence of their God. You know. As long as God's presence was with them, no foe could withstand them. Oh, the enemy tried, but he could not overcome them. Amen. So, my friend, it's all about the presence. And this is where real ministry comes from that will shake the world. This army that God is raising up in this last hour is an army that's driven by the presence of God. It's an army that says to God, I have to have you. I have to have your presence. And whatever it takes, that I will do. Amen? Amen. It's an army that understands that religion, everybody say religion. religion. It's an army that understands that religion has never, ever done anything. 
and never, ever will do anything. Amen? Let me know that, uh, that religion is absolutely an enemy of the presence of the Lord. Amen? So through my walk and my journey of pursuing the Lord, I, I come to certain times in my life where it's kind of like, wow, Lord, I want to be there, but it seems like I can't get there. Amen? So the Lord took me to 2 Samuel chapter 6, if you want to turn there. For everybody who likes the title of messages, because some people do, the title of my message is Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Amen. Here we have the story of David, King David. He's now king. Amen. How many know he got chose to be king because he had a heart after God? Listen to me. There's a key right there. Amen. If you want the favor of heaven on you, you got to have a heart after heaven. Amen. So we have the story here in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We have the story of, of David going after the ark, David going after the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to be picking up somewhere around verse uh, 11 or so, verse 9 or 11 or so, um, or probably verse 12. But I just want to talk about the failure of, of David, how he went after the ark, after he, how he went after the presence of the Lord. And if you read it in the first part of 2 Samuel chapter 6, it says that he failed in bringing the presence of the Lord back in. And the reason why he failed is because he thought he could do it his own way. Amen. He just thought he could do it his own way. He thought, wow, let's just go get it. Let's put it on a cart, pull it in with oxen, and let's just get this presence back because the presence means everything to us. It's what sets us apart from all other nations, amen? Listen to me, I'm telling you right now, the church, we are not set apart by large because we are void the presence of God Almighty, amen? And so, so the reason why it fell the first time is because he just went at it his own way. Listen to me, listen to me real good. You and I cannot go after God just any old way that we want to, amen? Listen to me, he's not no ordinary lover. Amen? He has to be pursued a certain way. Amen? We have to go after him a certain way. Amen? So David fell. Everybody say, David fell. But listen to me, he did not let that failure keep him from going after the presence of the Lord. Amen? So he went back and started studying what? He even asked a question. He asked the Lord, what is it going to take for me to get your presence back into the nation of Israel? Amen. So, so this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay, I'm going to pick up on verse 12. Okay, he left the, the ark at Obed-Edom's house. Oh, how many of you, that's a whole other message. But you can imagine being... Obed Edom, and you have the presence of God right in your house. Now listen to him. He had the ark right in his house. In fact, he got so attached to the ark, it's another message, uh, you know, that I, I've done that. When, it, when the ark actually left and went to Jerusalem, God allowed Obed Edom to move Jerusalem and set with the ark. Amen. Listen to me. Just like our brother Sergio said last night, Amen. God wants the ark to park in all of our houses, amen? God wants, listen, you, you, you should be living in the presence of the Lord. You should be living with the ark of God in the house, amen? 
And so on, on verse 12, let's pick up on verse 12. Now, King David was told the Lord had blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God, because of the presence. Everybody say the presence. Because of the presence, God had blessed Obed-Edom. Amen? So David went to bring up the ark of God from the city of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Okay, now listen, this is where we get this revelation of how you bring the presence. Everybody say the presence. This is where we get the revelation of how we ourselves are going to go deeper. This is a revelation that the Lord showed me on, on things that was hindering me from going deeper. How many of you want to go deeper? Yes. Amen. Here, here's where it is. When those who were carrying the ark, amen, of the Lord had taken six steps. Everybody say six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a calf. Amen. He sacrificed a bull and a calf. When those who were carrying the presence of God went six steps, they stopped and offered up a sacrifice. Amen. If you and I really want the presence of the Lord, something has to die. Amen. I'm going to say that again. If you and I really want the presence of the Lord, something has to die. Amen? It, it, you, you just can't bring it in any old way. Okay? David went back and he learned. He cried out to the Lord and say, and he asked him, how can I get this presence? How can I get the ark back into the nation of Israel? So the Lord showed him it's going to come by something dying. Amen? Something has to die. Everybody say, something has to die. So real quick, like the hidden thing in this journey is what, what was called the brazen altar. How many remember the brazen altar? If you go back to the days of Moses when God said to build these different, uh, you know, fixtures and everything for the tabernacle of Moses, which was, and then it was, you know, later on moved over to the, uh, the temple of Solomon. It was the brazen altar, amen? The brazen altar was where sacrifices were placed on the brazen altar for our sinfulness, amen? It was a sacrifice. So David learned through asking God, how, could, how do I get this presence? And the Lord showed him, I'll show you how to do it. And he says, you got to take the brazen altar out with you, and you're going to have to offer up sacrifices. Something has to die. Okay? Everybody say, something has to die. Okay? So in this journey of the presence of the Lord, every six steps. Everybody say, every six steps. Every six steps, they had to stop and offer up a sacrifice. Amen. I need you to really follow along with me, okay? Every six steps, they had to stop and offer up a sacrifice. I got with my Jewish believers to make sure that what the Lord showed me in this was correct, and they all agreed with me. So every six steps, everybody say every six steps. Every six paces, they had to set it down, offer up a sacrifice. They could not go another six steps until the, off, the, until the sacrifice was offered. Amen? A sacrifice had to be offered. I went and I found out that Obed-Eden's house was a little over six miles from Jerusalem. Okay? Everybody say six miles. 
One mile, okay, one mile equals between 2,000 to 2,500 steps. Okay? Follow along with this, okay? So let's just take the low number, 2,000, okay? So from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem, six miles, 2,000 steps per mile. That means there was over 12,000 steps. Amen. Everybody say, what a journey. Amen. 12,000 steps from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem. So every six steps, they offered up a sacrifice. They offered up a bull, and they offered up a lamb. Amen. So that made a total of two, over 2,000 sacrifices on this journey. Amen. So that makes a total of over 2,000 sacrifices. And the sacrifices was a bull and a sheep. So that means they had to offer up over 4,000 sacrifices just to get the glory of God back into the nation of Israel. Woo! Hallelujah. I feel the presence on this. Amen. Amen. In fact, if you go back when they first started the journey, before they even went, before even they, even they left to go get it, they offered up seven bulls and seven sheep even before they went after it. Amen. Listen to me. In order for you and I to, to do, go deeper into the presence of God and to receive more of him, there has to be a sacrifice made. Amen. Everybody say a sacrifice. So over 4,000 sacrifices. So by the time, okay, by the time that they reached Jerusalem, the priests were a bloody, sweaty mess. <laughs> Amen. But it was worth it. Come on, everybody say it was worth it. Because when the presence got back in Jerusalem, that's when all the shouting started. Amen. That's when all the praising started. Oh, there was shouting and praising between every little sacrifice, but the real shout and the real praise came when they got, in, got the presence of God back into the nation of Israel, amen? Listen to me, listen to me real good. You may have gone through a season to where you've been shouting and you've been just the presence and the glory of God's been around you, but all of a sudden it seems like you're stuck, Amen? Once again, I'm going to ask you, how many of you feel like you're stuck? Okay. Can I offer up this bit of advice? Amen. I can almost guarantee there's something that needs to be sacrificed. Amen. There's something that needs to be sacrificed. Amen. Now we're going to take this over to the new covenant, and we're going to find out that you and I are that sacrifice. I mean, no, Jesus has already paid the price. <laughs> Come on, I mean, no, he's, always, he's, all, he's already offered himself up as a supreme sacrifice, amen? I mean, no, his work, his sacrifice is over, <laughs> amen? His work was finished, amen? But now for you and I who wants the presence of God Almighty, we have to understand that we become that sacrifice now, Amen? And if you and I want to go deeper in the presence of the Lord, we have to ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to sacrifice to you? Amen? Listen to me. We are the sacrifice. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, starting there. 
Then he, Jesus, said to all of them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him and... Uh, of him and the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's house and of the holy angels. Amen. Jesus says, if you want to come after me, how many of you want to come after Jesus? How many of you want more of God? Amen. How many want the glory of the Lord? Amen. Well, Jesus said, okay, if you want to come after me, just like David went after the presence of the Lord, how many know that David wanted the presence of God? Let me throw a little nugget in here because religion is a killer. Everybody say religion is a killer. King Saul was king over Israel for over 20 years. He never went after the presence. He was comfortable in his religion. Did you hear me? He was comfortable in his religion. I'm just comfortable with the way I'm living. With religion, everybody say religion. He never, and that went on to his daughter. When the presence of God came in, you remember when David brought the ark in, who got mad? Saul's daughter, his wife. <laughs> what, he, what, what, he, what she was saying is, you went, you went out there, you messed things up. You know? Now that he's in the camp, it's not about us anymore. Amen? So you and I got to understand that religion is the death of the presence of God. Amen? And I'm going to go further on that. You and I are going to have to learn to undo every religious thing that we were taught. Amen. In order to gain the real truth. Amen. You, you and I are going to have to come and get ourselves untrained. Amen. Because religion is a killer. Everybody say religion is a killer. So now Jesus said, if you want me, something has to die. Is that what he said? If anyone desires to come after me, you're going to have to die. You're going to have to take up your cross. Oh, my goodness, we live without a crossless gospel. I'll tell you right now. We're living in a day where there's no one dying at all to their flesh. Amen. In fact, flesh is being glorified Flesh is being pampered. Flesh is being changed to, from sinfulness to just a bunch of issues. Amen. Listen to me. We don't have issues. We have sinfulness. Amen. And so, so Jesus said, if you want to come after me, okay, you're going to have to deny yourself. The Amplified Bible puts it like this. And he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself to disown himself, to forget about himself, to lose sight about himself and his own interests and to refuse him to give up himself. We're living in a day where religion is telling us to be self-focused. Amen. Everything that we're hearing is about self, 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 self. And, 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 and I just don't, you know, that, that has nothing to do with the presence of God. If you and I want the presence of the Lord, we got to die the self, amen? We got to lose sight of self, amen? We got to get our focus off of ourselves, amen? And put our focus on him, amen? So you and I have to lose. And then this is what he says. After that, he says, and then that person is going to have to take up their cross daily. 
Everybody say daily. daily. You don't take up your cross. This is not a one and done thing. It's a one and done on Jesus' part. How many are thankful for that? It's a one and done thing on his part, but for us, it's not a one and done thing. Jesus said, you're going to have to learn to die daily. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen? You're going to have to take up this cross, and you're going to have to die daily. You're going to have to take it up daily, and you're going to have to die. You're going to have to die to your wants. You're going to have to die to your desires. You're going to have to die to whatever you desire in this life. Amen? If you want me, it's going to cause the death of you. Woo, hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. It's going to cost. Everybody say it's going to cost. He says it's going to cost you if you want me. You know, it's going to cost you. You're going to have to. Listen to me. In my journey, I've died a hundred deaths. I've literally died a hundred deaths. Amen. And I'm probably going to die another hundred deaths or more by the time I get to because I want more of the Lord. Amen. And I know the way I found out the key to get more of him, it's the death of me. <laughs> and it's the death of me every day. And it's the death of me every hour. And it's the death of me every minute, amen. You and I cannot allow our flesh to raise up at any time at all. Amen. We got to stay on our cross. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I need to die. Amen. Something has to die and it's you and I. Listen, this is not popular, but how many of you want the presence? Come on, come on. How many of you really want the presence of God? This is not popular out there, but if you want the presence, this is the way to the presence. Something has to die. Jesus already died. Now it's our turn to die, amen? And, and we got to take up our cross daily, amen? I have died a hundred deaths, and I probably still have a hundred or more deaths that I still have to die, amen? I don't know about you, but my heart keeps on crying out that I'm not dead enough. Just in the last few weeks, I've been overwhelmed. I'd say, oh, God Almighty, I'm not dead enough. Something has to die. And that death is you and I. Amen. We literally have to die. In order, that's why John the Baptist said, I have to decrease. Amen. John the Baptist had to move away from what he was doing and had to start decreasing. I've been crying out to the Lord for the last few weeks, teach me how to die. Teach me how to decrease, <laughs> you know? Because how many know you can go so far in knowing what you're doing, but then you get to the point and say, okay, Lord, I, I think I've done everything I know to do, but I need to go deeper. Everybody say deeper. How many of you want to change this world? But how many, first of all, want to change yourself? <laughs> Amen, because you'll never change the world until you are changed, amen? Because we got to have something to offer them. Right now, all we have to offer them is a bunch of religion, amen? And they're not looking for that stuff, amen? I mean, if you look out there, if you look at all the things that is attracting that world out there, religion is not even close on the radar, amen? They're looking for something supernatural, Amen? So it's you and I. Everybody say you and I. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you out of the picture. I'll always put me in it, okay? So I'll keep you out. Amen? 
The other day I was driving up in Kansas City and I was driving, I come up on the, you know, to turn on the street and, and I was a few cars back and, and, and there's this one intersection that was confusing for, for a while, but then they, they finally got it figured out, you know, and everything. So, so they finally made a turn lane instead of uh, the turn lane appeared to be on what was called the side of the road. I pulled up, on, I was like three cars behind. Now this didn't have nothing to do with me. Everybody say it didn't have nothing to do with me. It wasn't affecting me. I wasn't the one up there turning right. The people in the turn lane that was turning right had their blinkers on, but there's a couple of cars that went on the side of the road and it was turning right. Amen. Well, that irritated me. Anybody else get irritated in traffic? You guys have some traffic down here. We have to repent all the way over here. <laughs> So I'm sitting here behind this scene. And it started irritating me. I thought, that's just kind of rude. You know, can't you read the signs and everything, you know? And so, so then the traffic went on and we started moving. I, I, I get about a mile down the road and the Spirit of God says, why did that bother you? Now, I could have rattled off my many reasons. But when the Lord asked me that, I thought, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm going to ask you, yeah, why did it bother me? I said, why did that bother me? Because the Lord said, it didn't even have nothing to do with you. You wasn't even a part of that. And so I said, okay, Lord, you need to show me why that bothered me. And he said, you got offended at something that didn't have nothing to do with you. Amen. And the Lord showed me, you got more offense in you than you think. When the Lord starts talking to me, I listen, amen. He says, you have more. He says, oh, you have cloaked it over with nice words. Well, I'm just frustrated. I'm just irritated. I'm just mad. I'm just upset. But how many know all them words have their roots in offense? Amen. Everybody say offense. Yes. Offense is, is a killer to the presence of the Lord. Amen. So you know what? I've been dying more. <laughs> I've just been dying more to traffic. Amen. Amen. Everybody say dying more. Amen. But listen to me. Something has to die, and we are that sacrifice. Jesus said, if you want me, how many of you want him? Yes. And how many know Jesus said you can have all of me? How many know he says you can have all of me? But he says in order to get all of me, you have to die. You got to die daily, and you got to keep on dying. Amen? It's not a one-and-done thing. Amen? It, it, listen to me. Like when you and I get married, you know, it's not that, that, that the, with the day we get married, everything is over. No, it just really starts. Amen? And, and when you and I get married, we have to learn to keep on dying when we get married. It's amazing how couples die before they get married. Isn't it true? A lot of people don't show the real face until after they get married. Amen? And then all of a sudden they get married, then it's real easy for each of the, each of the husband and the wife to start becoming self-focused. When before they wasn't self-focused. Because if we were self-focused, nobody wants to marry a selfish person. Isn't it true? 
And so for you and I, it, it, it means that if you want the Lord, if we want the presence of God, we got to die. Everybody said we got to die. We got, we got to die to things, amen? But listen to me. You and I will never, ever, ever carry the cross right if we are not willing to drink the cup. Amen? You and I got to be willing to drink the cup in order to carry the cross right. Because if you don't drink the cup right, you'll be carrying the cross with bitterness, anger, and despise that thing. Amen? Everybody say the cup. You all probably going, okay, well, what's the cup? Amen. Luke chapter 22, we have the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, verse 39. It said, and Jesus coming out went to the Mount of Olives, or the Garden of Gethsemane, as he was accustomed to. This was his place of like what your pastor said. And what a lot of us do called the quiet time. Everybody say the quiet time. Listen to me, church. If you don't have that thing nailed down, you'll never go any deeper in the Lord. Because that thing is a flesh killer. <laughs> and listen to me. If you go to your quiet time and you want to feel woo all the time, you're not going to feel woo all the time. You're going to go there and the Lord's going to poke, poke that inside of you and say, that has to leave. Amen? Everybody say the cup. So Jesus, it said in Luke chapter 22, verse 39, that Jesus went out and he went to the place where he always went to the place. It was the Garden of Gethsemane. Amen? And he said to, the, and he said to his disciples, uh, he said to the, and his disciples also follow him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Amen? One of the number one things you need to pray all the time in your quiet time is, God, do not let me enter into temptation today. Keep me from that, amen? And then it goes on, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. If it is your will, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. Amen. Three times he said, Father, take this cup from me. What was the cup he was, he was getting ready to drink? It was the death of him. He was heading to the cross for you and I. Amen. And three times he said, God Almighty, if it's possible, take this cup of death from me. But yet he said, but not my will, I want your will. Amen. Listen to me, we are called to carry the cross, amen? But you never carry the cross without drinking the cup. And you gotta drink that cup every day and every hour of every day and every minute of every day. We gotta say, Father, not my will, your will. Not my will, your will, amen? You know, yes, my flesh wants to do its own thing, but not my will, your will, amen? Yes, I don't want to necessarily die, but I want your will, not my will. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen to me. In order to carry our cross right, we got to drink that cup. Amen. So listen to me. In the spiritual realm, we should be carrying a cross in one hand and in a, in a cup in the other hand. Amen. And every day we should be drinking, not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. Amen. 
It's sad that we live in a time that a lot of people does not know the will of God because we are a Bibleless people. Oh, we have Bibles, but we don't get in and read them. Amen. In fact, a lot of people that even has quiet times never take the book with them. Amen. In order for us to know what God's will is, we got to live inside them holy pages. Amen. You got to live inside. I mean, no, that is what directs your life. <laughs> Amen. Every other way God talks to us doesn't even come close comparison to the word of God. Amen. Not even close. Not even close. But Jesus said three times, not my will, your will. Everybody say that. Not my will, but your will. Amen. That's what we need to be saying every day. Not my will, but your will. Listen, we got to get to the place where we want God's will 24-7 in our lives. Amen. 24-7 in our lives. We got to die daily hourly, and every minute, amen. If you want him, he says, I'm here for you, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to cost you. Oh, people don't like this. You hear it all the time. Well, Jesus paid everything. Woo! Not just like one person in a relationship paying the whole price and the other one not. How many of you love to be in a relationship with someone that you're paying the price and they're not? You wouldn't like that, would you? Amen. Some of you may have had to deal with that for a while. But, it's, but, but, but that's the way it is a lot of time when it comes to our walk with God. Woo, God paid it all. I don't have to pay nothing. That's not even true. There's no truth to that. That's not even scriptural. Amen. It's not scriptural. Yes, God paid it all as far as our sinfulness, and how many of you are grateful and thankful for that, amen? Come on, how many are really thankful that you're saved, amen? How many are really thankful that he died that death, amen? Hallelujah. But now in order to come into relationship with him, amen? Listen to me, too many of God's people stay in the outer courts because they don't want to go into the inner court of relationship. It's easy for them to sin and repent. Sin and repent, sin and repent their whole life. Sin and repent, sin and repent. That's outer court people. What's in the outer court is that brazen altar. Amen. What's in the outer court is that labor. Amen. It's all of sin and cleaning, sin and cleaning, sin and cleaning. But the people that goes into the inner court, everybody say the inner court. These are people that are chasing the presence of the Lord, amen. They want a relationship with him, amen. They're tired of sinning and, 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 and failing over and over again, amen. They're just sick and tired of that. So they've gone into the inner court, amen. And in the inner court, you have, you know, the table of showbread, which represents Christ, amen. And then you have the golden lapstand, which represents the Holy Spirit. And then right before the, 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 uh, the Holy of Holies place, you have the altar of incense, amen. And, and the altar of incense has everything to do with our quiet time. It's our prayer. It's our praise. It's our dying to ourselves, amen. Because dying to ourselves is the last thing that opens up the, the way for us to go into the holies of holies, which is the presence of God Almighty. Amen. Everybody say the death of me. Death of me. Woo. Mm. 
Isn't God good? Amen. Gethsemane. Everybody say Gethsemane. This is what it means. It's called the oil press. Okay? It's a place of great pressure. Well, how we have people in the body of Christ that hates pressure. They can't stand even a little bit of it. They're freaking out and flopping on the floor on a little bit of pressure. Amen? I can't stand it. What happened? A fly hit me in the head. Oh, my goodness. God bless you. <laughs> We're over here fighting demons, and the fly hits you in the head, and you can't handle that. That's the way it seems sometimes to us pastors, right? Here we're fighting demons from hell. And someone gets hit with a fly and they need to counsel for an hour or two. It's like, just kill that fly, okay? You don't have to be counseled over it. Just kill it. It's in God good. It's amazing. I know you have your stories. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing what you get calls over that people say, I can't handle this no more. <laughs> and the Lord is telling you as a shepherd to die to everything. And it's like, I died of that years ago. <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> Amen. But anyway, anyway, it's, it's, called, it's, called, it's called the old press. It's called the place of great pressure. Everybody say great pressure. Listen to me, listen to me really well. It's not always in your best interest to run away from great pressure. But that's what they teach in this new religion out there. Get away from that. God doesn't want you to go through that. Well, where was that in Holy Writ? I don't find that in Holy Writ. I don't find it in the scripture where God says run from pressure. Run from trials. Run from persecution. I don't see that. I do see this. Jesus, before he left, he said, hey, listen to me. I'll give you a revelation. You're going to go through some bad things. Everybody say, through it. He didn't say you're going to run from some bad things. He said you're going to go through it. Amen. He says you're going to go through very difficult situations, trials, tribulations, distresses, frustrations, irritations. Then he says, but be of good cheer, I've overcome it all. <laughs> you know, listen to me, that, that's a real good promise. A lot of people, that's a, you know what he said? I learned to die to all that and was victorious. And you can do the same. Amen. Everybody say, I can do the same thing. So it's a place of great pressure. It's also a place of great mental and spiritual suffering. Read the scripture. Jesus is there, not my will, your will, not my will, your will. And all of a sudden it says that he started sweating out drops of blood. Amen. Listen to me. You know when you're dying, when you feel like you're dying. Amen. The Apostle Paul said this. You know what the Apostle Paul said? Possible said, you guys haven't even died to the point of shedding blood against sin. You know what he's telling you? He says, you guys haven't learned to die to sinfulness. Amen? So, so now listen, this is where Jesus went every day. Jesus went, his quiet time was in a place of great pressure. 
His quiet time wasn't done in the place where everything was comfortable and a cup of coffee and good music on, sitting in our easy chair. Amen. His quiet times, his quiet times, he chose to be in a place where there was great pressure, where there was great mental and spiritual suffering. He learned, how many know that, he's, 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 that the scripture calls him the suffering savior? Listen, he learned to suffer long before the cross. You want to know how he was so victorious on the cross? You want to, do you ever wonder how he was able to handle that? Listen, he was human. A lot of people go, oh, he handled that because he was God. No, he was human. Amen. But you know how he was able to do that and do it cheerfully? Because he died a thousand deaths. <laughs> he died a thousand deaths on the journey to his cross. Amen. So it's a place, listen, it's a place that, that, that you've got to go to every day. It's a place where you die, amen? My quiet times, 99% of my quiet times, and I'm serious about this, I'm dying to something. Amen? It's not just all the heavens, you know, and, and just all the glory. People come to me, it's like, well, pastor, you know, I'm not feeling this, I'm not feeling this. I said, that's good, just something has to die, Okay. <laughs> And, and then the person would go, I know that person that's irritating me has to die. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that person's not in your quiet time with you, amen. You're in there. Amen. Isn't it amazing that we love this message and we can point it toward other people? Listen to me. This message is not for someone that's not here tonight, okay? So get the thoughts out of your head. Boy, I wish they were here. <laughs> he really needed to hear this. She really needed to hear this. Wait till I get out of here. I'm going to start texting them and say, you missed a good one. You need to die. <laughs> Don't do that. You die and come out changed, amen. Everybody say a place of great pressure. Matthew chapter 7, it says this. We know this as the narrow way. Everybody say the narrow way. Listen to me, listen to me real good. Jesus, I mean, God Almighty said in the Old Testament twice, maybe three times, at least two times, he said, don't move the ancient boundary lines. He said, what I have established, I have established. And he said, do not move them. We're living in a day where the boundaries of Christianity has been moved to where anybody says they're a believer. I mean, it's such a wide way. <laughs> and everybody, listen to me, if everybody that professes they're a Christian in our nation, our nation really should be on fire. Isn't that true? But the reason why they can say that is because we have moved the ancient boundary lines. We have widened the narrow way. And you want to know why? Because we don't like the narrow way. So what you don't like, you allow a little compromise, and then that takes a little pressure off of you. Well, this isn't that bad. Well, this isn't that bad. You understand what I'm talking about? This isn't that bad. And so we start widening the way. Because you want to know why? We don't want to feel pressure all the time. Amen. We don't want to be squeezed all the time. I mean, no, we need to be squeezed from heaven. And not just in a loving hug. We need to be squeezed till our flesh is just oozing out of us. Amen. 
Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, enter by the narrow gate. Everybody said the narrow gate. This is what he said, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Wide and broad. Amen. Everybody say wide and broad. Everybody wants to go the wide and broad way. Well, let's go over here. Well, man, it's easy over here at this congregation. It's easy. I got a little report from a pastor that said this. That he was talking to someone uh, uh, the other day, and they said, I like going to my church because when I go to my church, I don't have to die. It's all fun and games. Fun and games is not going to win a die in a lost world. Listen to me, okay? You don't move the barometer in no one's heart with fun and games, amen? We move the barometer in someone's heart with the presence and the glory of God, amen? Everybody say it's a narrow way. Okay, he says, For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Amen. Now listen, this isn't necessarily talking about the world. This isn't necessarily talking about sinners. This is talking about the religious world. He's talking about two ways inside the religion world, the religious world, amen. There's the wide way. Everybody say the wide way. And then he goes on and says this, because narrow, everybody say narrow. Narrow is the gate and difficult. We don't like that word. It's like, let's go back to the wide and Broadway. Because in the wide and Broadway, the word difficult isn't in there. But in the narrow way, everybody say the narrow way. The narrow way says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. Amen. And there are few who find it. The Amplified Bible puts this verse like this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction, and many are those who are entering through it. Amen. But the gate, but the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure. That's what the Amplified Bible says. Contracted by pressure. Where did Jesus go every day? place of great pressure so the narrow way is contracted by pressure if you can sit there and say well brother Ruff, i'm always i'm always being squeezed my flesh is always being squeezed it's always being squeezed you're on the narrow way the thing what you need to do is you need to give into that squeezing <laughs> amen and then it goes, but then it goes, but then it is contracted by pressure and the way is straightened. Everybody say straightened. And compressed that leads to life. Amen. The way that leads to the presence of God is the death of you and I. Amen. How many know that the scripture actually says only dead people see God? That's not talking about literally dying, you know, from a human stance as far as our human death. That's talking about our daily walk. How many of you want to see God? Amen. Come on, how many want to see God? Amen. I got fewer hands now because you guys are going to know it, and I need to know you got to die. So it's like, I'm going to rethink this thing. Amen. Isn't God good? Everybody say, isn't God good? The narrow way. Everybody say, the narrow way. Luke chapter 13, we have this starting at verse 22. So again, talking about the narrow way. And he, Jesus, went through the cities and villages, teaching and, and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few that who are saved? And Jesus answered him, 
strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Wow. Everybody say, wow. How many know God knows everything? He's walking. He's teaching one of his disciples, go, wow, it only looks like only a few people is going to be saved in life. Because it is a narrow, difficult way. He says, what, what about this? And Jesus looked at him and said, listen, strive to enter through that narrow gate. Listen, you can be striving, but striving the wrong way. Because he said this, many, okay, he said this, because strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. Okay? The people that are striving but won't be able to are the ones that's constantly striving and not dying. Listen, you and I can't keep striving over the same thing all of our life. How many know we got to put that thing to death? Amen. How many know you got to put it to death? Listen, if you're still wrestling with something, you've been wrestling with it for a while, you, you, the, re, the reason why you're wrestling with it is you haven't died to it. There hasn't been the death of it inside of you. Amen. Because we shouldn't be striving with the same thing all the time. We should have victory over that. And maybe somewhere down the road, because we're a living sacrifice, God will bring up something else that needs to die. And then we struggle in war with that. And then that dies. Amen. But people that are continually struggling with the same thing over and over again, I'll tell you the problem is you haven't died to it. Amen. You keep on giving in to it. You keep on allowing it in your life. Amen. You just don't get rid of it. Amen. Come on, isn't God good? Jesus said, listen to me. He looked at that disciple. That disciple was saying, wow, it only looks like there's going to be a few of us saved. He looked at the disciple and said, listen to me, strive the internet at that narrow gate. Okay. Because the many are striving to, but they will not be able to. Jesus Christ said they will not be able to. Not that it's not available for them. You understand? Because God rejects no one. But how I many know God knows everything? And God knows that the bottom line is there's a lot of people that will not die to their self totally. Amen? Amen? You and I got to die 100%. And I tell you right now, People that always run from pressure, runs from the straight and narrow pressure of life, you have not learned how to die. Amen. God isn't calling you to run from everything. God is calling you and I to stand in the middle of stuff and die to that. Die to that boss that seems mean to us. Amen. Die to that spouse that may not seem to be on the same page. Don't kill that spouse, okay? <laughs> That's the living part, okay? <laughs> Amen. Listen to me. It's the pressures of life that if we handle it right, that leads us into more of the glory and the presence of God. It's the pressures. Everybody say the pressures. Listen to me. 
There's no such thing as any perfection on earth. You're seeking for perfection and you're not even perfect. I know that's a hard pill to swallow. Amen. How I many know that a lot of times we just think we got it all together? And a lot of times we think we're not a frustration or irritation to someone else. <laughs> Amen. We either you're blind to yourself or something's going on. Because I mean, no, all of us are a frustration sometimes to other people. Amen. Come on, I mean, raise your hand with me and say, I have irritated some people in my life. Amen. And not talking about a former life. I'm talking about your Christian life. Amen. How many will raise your hand with me and say, in my Christian life, I have literally, you know, ticked some people off myself being a believer. Amen. I'll get all of you by the time it's over with. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because we all have. You're sitting there irritated at that person. And that person's irritated at you. But when they try to talk to you about their irritation with you, you can't believe they're irritated at you. You're going, well, how can you be irritated at me? I'm such a sweet thing. <laughs> Amen. Isn't God good? Wow. Isn't God good? Listen to me. How many of you want more of him? The, 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 if you want more of him, it's going to cause more of the death of you. Listen to me, listen to me really good. you got to stop running. I'm telling you right now, listen to me. Someone here needs to listen to me. you got to stop running from every pressure situation because you run to a place to where it's comfortable. Oh, this is comfortable. This is good. i got to get out. That caused me a, a sleepless nights. Yeah. It needs to cause you sleepless nights until you die. Amen. I have spent many nights sleepless until I died. You remember Jacob? You remember Jacob? He spent all night. He stayed up all night. He wanted to know that he was dead by the time the morning come around. Amen. And, and, and you're sitting there going, oh, these situations, they had me up all night long. <laughs> And God's saying, you got to learn to die. Because if you're, de if you're dead, the situation wouldn't bother you all night long. Amen. Everybody say, if I'm dead, it wouldn't bother me. Amen. We have to die. Everybody say, die. One of the main areas that we need to die constantly in, one of the main areas that you and I need to die constantly in is in the area of offense. I mean, that stuff hits you all day long. Amen. I don't know about you, I do pretty good until I get out of bed. <laughs> Anybody else like that? As long as I'm in bed, you know, it's nice and, you know, I got my room like on 68, it's nice and cold. It's hot down here. You guys are still in the hot. We woke up the other morning. It was 34 degrees, amen. And I had my windows open. And it's just 34 degrees. Just I haven't turned my heater on on 34 degrees. No, it's nice and cool to me, amen. And so, so, but but you and I, we have to learn to die to ourselves, amen. And we got we, and we got to learn to stop running. Everybody say stop running. My goodness. Stay in there until you're dead. 
You say, well, Brother Ralph, I stay in here longer, I'm going to die. Woo! That's good. That's real good. Stay there. <laughs> and listen to me, everybody else. Leave people in that place. We got this so much mercy and compassion. Oh, I'll help you out of that. I mean, no, it's not up to us to help people out of that. You remember the butterfly story? How I many remember the butterfly story? You remember the butterfly, the little butterfly trying to push its way out, a little cocoon, you understand what I'm talking about? And the guy sitting there looking at it felt sorry, felt sorry for a butterfly. How does a guy feel sorry for a butterfly? I don't even get that. <laughs> I feel sorry for that butterfly. Like, okay. But anyway, this is a story. The guy felt sorry for the butterfly, saw that the butterfly was struggling, trying to get out of it. He thought, I'm going to make it easy for him. So he reached and got a knife and started slitting open the cocoon to make it easy. You know what happened? It made it easy. But the butterfly came out with a big body and teeny tiny wings. It couldn't fly. Because you want to know why? Pushing through that little opening caused him to push the fluid out of his body to where it comes out. It has big, beautiful wings to fly. Listen to me, listen to me real good. Keep cutting them out and you'll support them the rest of your life. Amen? Because that butterfly couldn't fly. That butterfly had to walk around. Amen? It's, listen, it's up to us to let them learn to die in that thing. Instead of always being there to bail them out of the situation. Amen? You need to look at some people and say, no, I love you. God bless you. You're going to die there. <laughs> Amen? Some of you say, well, Brother Ralph, that seems cold-hearted. Well, if God doesn't mind doing that. <laughs> I've never had God come one time to me and say, okay, son, I'll get you out of this mess. Come on. I've had him come to me and said, you got to learn to die. <laughs> if you want more of me, you got to learn to die. How many of you really want more of him? Amen. Raise up your hand if you really want more of him. Amen. You, gotta, you and I got to learn to die. David went after, he knew the proper way to go after the ark. He knew that there had to be sacrifices all the way in. Amen. Jesus said, if you want to come after me and if you want me, if you want more of me every day, every day that you're alive, you're dying. How I many know that's even in the natural? From the day we're born, we start dying. How I many know that's a natural process? Well, that's also a spiritual process. When you're born again, you start the death process. Amen? Everybody say, it's the death of me. It's not the death of everyone else. It's the death of you. Okay? It's a death, you know. Let me just end with this, okay, because I feel the presence of the Lord. I was overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord in my room today. I started weeping and crying. I started going, dear God, there has to be, you know, what is it that you want me to give up? Amen. Hunter back here. You know, the last meeting that we was here, like you said, it was so glorious, it's so deep. You know, Hunter got gloriously changed, Hunter did. Hunter goes back and he's getting ready to start football season. You know, but now he's changed. Now he's been touched by the glory. He's been touched by the presence. Listen to me. When you're touched by the glory and presence, things need to change in your life in order to keep that and to increase that. 
He went to one football practice. At one football practice, he learned real quick, I don't need to be here. Because all that was going on was they had the loud music. I mean, know the loud music you shouldn't be listening to. They had the coaches cussing, other football players cussing, telling dirty jokes. He goes, I have to protect what God gave me. Amen. Amen. So he was doing good for a while, wasn't you? He was doing good for a while. Now he started, then he started going through something. And so I, I, I picked up mentoring him. So he comes in and he starts talking to me. I knew instantly. I said, Hunter, you died to the football thing, amen? But now you, I mean, no, because when you die, you do get a season of glory. I mean, you love them seasons. <laughs> I mean, love the seasons of intense glory. But then all of a sudden, it feels like, oh, there's no glory now. It's all hell. Something's going on. Listen, that's not the devil. Nine out of ten times, or maybe ten out of ten times, there's something that you have to sacrifice. Isn't it true? I said, Hunter, there's something you got to sacrifice. Okay, the Lord wants you to sacrifice. And I told him, you need to sacrifice the unforgiveness and forgive people. Isn't it what I told you? Amen. I did not go, oh, the devil's just messing with your head. <laughs> Because I know about this. I know about this journey. I've been on it for years. I said, you'd come to a place where it's been glorious. How many of you love it? How many know last May when we were here, May or June, wasn't it? How many know that was glorious and powerful, amen? We've been in a, in a wave of that up there. I don't know about any, anything, anybody else from my church, but in that wave, I'm dying daily. <laughs> amen? I'm dying daily because I want more. Everybody say more. So I'm teaching him you got to die. And so once he dies to that unforgiveness, which is another presence killer, unforgiveness, listen to it. You can offer up to God a million reasons why you don't want to forgive. Amen. How many have ever had someone do your own? Come on, lift your hands up high. Not half mass. Lift your hands up way high. I want you everybody to look around. Look around, look around. I think we got 100% people here, amen? So, so, so all of us have been done wrong. But you got to learn to forgive everyone. We had a glorious presence of the Lord. We've been in revival for seven years. Seven years we were in revival for seven years with the denomination I was at. Seven years we was, I mean, the glory of the Lord was so strong. And all of a sudden, the denomination thought they needed to keep a closer eye on us and all this stuff, you know. They, they presented it to be a good thing at, at the beginning. They wrote me a note, and they said, you know, we're going to put your sectional presbyter, your assistant sectional presbyter, and your secretary and treasurer, we're going to put them kind of like an overseer on you, and we're going to be there to help you. I mean, no religion likes to cloak itself as a good thing. So I got in the first meeting, I learned real quick, you're not here to help me. <laughs> you know? So the Lord, so after the first meeting, I'm, I, all of a sudden, this turns. Now these are other pastors that I know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're saying, we don't like that. And I thought, well, I may not like something about you either. <laughs> I mean, no, that's what you want to do. I mean, no, that's what you want to do. That's my first thoughts, okay? 
I'm not sanctified all the time. It's like a thought or two later. <laughs> but all of a sudden they started, so, so, they, so all of a sudden they started, every meeting got worse. And the Lord told me at the first meeting, he said, son, listen to me. You need to be quiet. Okay? Because I'm going to teach you how to die to some things. I don't know how many meetings I've been into. You've probably been into a meetings where the Lord says, shh, don't respond. How many know we all want to respond? Especially when you're being accused. How many know we all want to get in the face and go, stop that. That's not true. The Lord said, shh, you got to die. You got to learn to die. You got to learn to let them believe stuff about you that's not true and be joyful in it. Because how many know Jesus did that? How many know when he went to the cross, how many know Jesus, I'm going to be quiet? Because the enemy hasn't got anything in me. I'm afraid if I open my mouth, the enemy will get something in me. How many know when we open our mouth, that's when the enemy gets a little thing in there? And so I did. So, so, so I, I just was quiet. Oh, every month it got worse. I mean, it just got worse. You know, they couldn't get, they, they, they couldn't get through the good stuff fast enough in, in order to sit there and just start hammering down on me. They wanted my wife to go there all the time. And so at one meeting, I, I told my wife, we was at the church doing something. I said, hey, sweetheart, we got to get ready to go to me. And she goes, I'm not going. I thought, I wish I could say that. <laughs> but I kind of felt sorry for her because I got tired of her listening to stuff that was being accused of her husband that wasn't true. I said, yeah, you don't need to go. I, I can handle this. I'm glad she didn't go because that was the worst. It was the worst. I had these three fellow ministers ridiculing me, teasing me, taunting me, high-fiving one another. You know, just high-fiving one another. I sat there quiet like a lamb being led to the slaughter. How many knows what the Apostle Paul said? Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? We're like sheep being led to the slaughter. I walked out of that meeting. That was the, that was the worst meeting. I'm telling you, this went on for like nine or ten months. Once a month, I went into this situation once a month. And every day, every month, the Lord said, shh. They would ask me, do you got anything to say? I said, no. The oxymoron of the thing, they said, well, let's pray before you leave. <laughs> you need to have hands laid on you or something. <laughs> pray. I mean, they act like we were in fellowship or something. Well, let's pray. I said, okay, do whatever you want to. Amen. But I'm telling you, that, 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 that meeting that was the last meeting, I didn't know it was going to be the last meeting, but that meeting that was the worst meeting, I went out, I got my car, I looked up out of my window, my car was facing the office, I just walked out of where them three ministers were. This was come up out of my mouth. How many know if you follow God, God will tell you what to do? I looked at that room, and this is what come up out of my mouth. I said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I learned some dying there. You want to know what? The meeting stopped. In fact, I have run into some of them, and the main guy, and he goes, I don't know why we're not meeting with you no more. I'm going, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm going, I died. I did. I passed this. How many want to pass a test? Come on, how many want to pass a test? Amen. I'm not kidding you. It stopped. 
You know, it, it literally stopped. I, I was sitting there the next month waiting for the phone call to go, and I didn't. I thought, wow, this is cool. Thank you, Jesus. And then another month went by. I thought, oh, this is really nice. And, and then I ran into the, the head guy that was head guy somewhere out there, and he goes, we haven't met with you for a while, have we? And I, I wanted to say, didn't really want to say too much because I didn't want to stir something up. <laughs> Amen. He said, I don't know why we haven't met. And I walked away. I know why, because I passed. <laughs> Amen. How many want to pass? I'm telling you right now, I'm tired of going around the mountains. Amen. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life I went around the mountains so many times I was in a rut and all I could see was the top of my head. Anybody else? I heard some guy said, all the rut is is an open grave with no way out. Amen. I thought, dear God, I don't want to be in the ruts. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I have to die. Amen. Stand with me right now. Listen, listen, I've learned this way. I have literally learned this way. I thank the Lord for showing me this. I love the entirety of the Bible. Okay? I love from Genesis to Revelation, from Revelations back to Genesis. I don't separate the two. And how many know it's all the B-I-B-L-A? <laughs> And I mean, it was all given to us for our admonition and our training and our guidance. Amen. But I have learned to die in some tough situations. Amen. Where other people were counseling me, you need to do something. Oh, let me hit on that. Can I hit on that for a moment? Don't always listen to other believers that's helping you bail out of hard situations. I'll use Paul. Remember Paul? Paul's getting ready to go to Jerusalem or Rome. Getting ready to go on one end. All of a sudden, a prophet came in and tied up his hands and prophesied, this is what's going to happen if you go there. If you go there, this is what's going to happen. The other believers, when they saw that, they said, Paul, the Lord's giving you a warning. Don't go there. And Paul looked at them and go, what are you talking about? <laughs> The Lord was just telling me what to expect, to be ready for it. I've still got to go. It wasn't a warning not to go. Because I'm telling you right now, good believers can talk you out of a place of Gethsemane that you need to die in order to get more of the presence of the Lord. Amen. Listen, you don't want all, you know, you, how many of you know you want a true friend? Not a friend that disagrees and feels sorry for you all the time. You want a good friend that will poke their finger in your face in a loving way in a loving way, okay, and say, this is wrong, you're wrong, you know, and I mean, no talk about, you know, some of you need some good godly family members to do that to you, this is wrong, oh, you're all quiet now, <laughs> you all go, I don't mind someone outside of my house, but outside of my house, I don't know about that, but I tell you, part of the dying is people in your own house, amen. If everybody's frustrating you in your own house, I guarantee you're not dead. Amen. Amen. You go, well, Brother Ralph, you don't have my kids. <laughs> I was a rascal when I was a boy. And look what God did to me. I mean, I was a rascal. You know, so when I see these youth, they don't bother me because I know how I was. They have not even done anything that I did. They haven't got close to it yet. 
And I'm talking about a boy in church. Amen? But listen to me. How many of you want more of him? Come on. We are in the, we are in the, 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 the season of tabernacles. And I mean, no, that's where God wants to come and give us more of him. It's not the enemy that's keeping you from more of him. As far as the devil, you are the enemy that's keeping you from getting more. Amen. You're going to have to learn to sacrifice. Okay. Here's another sacrifice. I talk about offense. Everybody say offense. The scripture warns us it's impossible not to get offended. Okay, what, what he means is that you're going to have times where you go, your offense is going to come at you and you're going to have to learn to handle it right. How many of you want to know how to handle offense right? You forgive immediately. <laughs> no, this is one thing right there. When it's hitting you, I forgive him. When it's hit, I forgive him. When it's, I forgive him and don't receive it. Okay, uh, that's the best way not for that hook to get inside of you. You know, don't get in there and go, I can't believe they're doing this to me. I can't believe they're doing this to me. And the worst thing you can do when you're offended at someone is call someone else. Isn't it amazing? Most of the people that are offended at someone won't talk to the person they're offended at. But they'll talk to other people about the person they're offended at. Like, what does that person have to do with who you're offended at? Oh, you're looking for someone to feel sorry for you. You don't want to go to the real pressure to go talk to the person you're offended at because that's pressure. Because maybe, listen to this, maybe you'll find out the truth that what you're offended at is not true. Amen. But usually offended people don't talk to the people they're offended with. And listen to me, when you're offended, your imagination will imagine everything. You'll take a little offense and all of a sudden you think the person hates you. <laughs> don't want to see you no more. You know, you, you, start dreaming that the, you start dreaming that person that night attacking you or something because you're offended at them. Because offense, listen to me, offense sees things in an improper way. Offense opens the door to imagine things more than what's going on. Amen. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. When, when, you, when you allow offense to get in your heart, you'll start imagining this little thing, and it's all of a sudden it's this major thing because of your imagination. Amen. And then I talked about unforgiveness. Everybody say unforgiveness. unforgiveness. Listen to me. The scripture says we have to forgive from our hearts, not our head. Most of the people that's up here it hasn't gone down here. Amen. Until it goes from here down to here, you really haven't forgiven. You can tell, you can sit there and say, I forgive them all the time. But if it hasn't gone from the head to the heart, you still haven't forgiven them. Because scripture says you, we have to forgive everyone from the heart, not the head. Amen. Another thing that I think that some of us need to sacrifice, which I had to do, I had to sacrifice all the ways I learned in religion. Amen? Listen to me. Before the touch of God come on me, I was a religious person. I wasn't like this all my life. Amen? I did walk away from the Lord, spent some few years out there in the long, long hair hippie days, you know it. Back in that whole thing, you know, but, but you know, you, so everybody say religion. I had to learn to undo all that religious stuff and break it off of me. Amen. I mean, I understand what I'm talking about. I'll show you. My, my wife is the one that called me on the carpet of this. Amen. So, so here, we, here, we, here we have, 
Brandon, here we have God moving in our church, you know, but I'm still a little religion, so okay, move, okay. But, but let's don't be hopping around and jumping, okay? Because religion taught me you only do that when the Spirit hits you. That's what religion taught me growing up in, this, in my church. Oh, we don't do that. I mean, remember that. The Spirit comes on you, then you can jump around and dance. But if it's not the Spirit, don't do that. And so I wouldn't allow people to do that. I had, I had God. <laughs> I told you I'm telling them on myself, keeping you out of it. But anyway, so, 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 but how many know God has a way of exposing everything? Amen. My first time down at Brownsville, the first service. We went to Brownsville December of 1995. It broke out in June of 1995. We was there six months, December of 1995. We come walking in a place. We don't know any songs. I do not know what happened to me, okay? That was my thing when I told my wife. I don't know what happened to me. All I know is when Lyndall Cooley hit that first key on the piano, I was jumping all around. In fact, I told the guy next to me, move, I got to get out of the seats. I need to jump. I was jumping and trolling around, and I was enjoying myself until I got back to the hotel room. <laughs> and my wife goes, you looked real good out there. <laughs> you won't let any of us do that at our church. And so you come down here to do it. I said, it's okay, sweetheart. We can do it now, okay? <laughs> she said, I think you're a little hypocrite there. You know, she really did it because she wanted, she wanted freedom to dance and all that. But my religion, everybody say religion. religion. My religion, if you, listen to me, how many of you grew up in religion? At least my religion told me we don't jump or dance until the Spirit of God hits. Amen? I don't know what happened to me. So then I thought I'm free. Everybody say, if you think you're free. I thought I was free. I thought, hallelujah, I'm free from this. Everybody danced. So we got back, so everybody's jumping and dancing. Okay. But then I thought I was free. Everybody say, I thought I was free. Now I'm okay with people jumping and dancing, okay? But I still had a little problem when you drive by these signs, you know, these churches, and they got a sign, you know, show up at 4 o'clock, and we'll teach you how to jump and dance. I thought, what is that? So I still had a problem with that, amen? So I'm back down to Brownsville. Now I'm back down to Brownsville, and the sanctuary is packed. And they had to put chairs down in front of the... And so we're sitting at the bottom of the steps and right six steps up is Pastor Kilpatrick and Steve Hill, okay? I mean, we're right there. And so, and then Pastor Kilpatrick goes, hey, we got something beautiful that we want to share with you guys. I thought, ooh, man, this is good because when you go to revival, you want something new, you know? Wow, we're going to get something we never had. That's what I was thinking. All of a sudden is, she was a beautiful young lady, probably eight or nine years out. Old comes out in this kind of like uh, ballerina dress. I thought, oh, dear God, I don't believe, I don't even believe in this, okay? I'm sitting to have a conversation with the Lord. I said, this is going to irritate me. <laughs> I'm having this conversation in my head. I said, this because I don't believe in this coming and learning stuff, amen? God has a way of setting us up. The minute the music started, I was weeping and bawling. Not little, I was weeping and bawling. My wife's going, get up, crap on yourself. Pastor Gilpatrick's up there. And I'm going, if you think, I don't do this, okay? 
I'm not one just to weep uncontrollably at stuff. And she goes, what's going on? I said, I don't know. Well, I'm here, got snooting nose. I'm bawling. <laughs> I thought, this is not good for me to be on this front row, okay? I do not want to get kicked out by Pastor Kilpatrick. I bawled through the whole thing. And I'm telling you, it, wasn't, it was bawling. My shirt was drenched from tears. And my wife's over there, get out of yourself. And it's like, I would if I could. I don't know what's going on. But then when it was over, because I mean, no, God has a way of setting you up. The Lord goes, that was beautiful in my eyes. When are you going to learn to let people worship me the way they want to worship? Uh, Steve Hill should have called an altar call right there. Because I would have fell right off my seat and go, oh, God Almighty, forgive me. So I'm sitting there repenting. I don't even know why he preached on because I'm saying, oh, so God, get it out of me. Get it out of me. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. So I'm saying, get it out of me. So then the Lord had to get that out of me. <laughs> and then the laughter. You remember the laughter of Rodney Howard Brown? I love laughter. I mean, you know, I love that. I didn't love laughter before. But now I love laughter. <laughs> People just look. <laughs> so now I love laughter. But, but so we had the Spirit of God, but didn't the, the Rodney Howard, and I love Rodney Howard Brown, you know. I just didn't want that in my church. Because you just don't want a lot of things to have to handle and, and question, you know. So, so me and my sister Carol, because they pastor her, and I said, What do you think about that? And she goes, I don't know what you think about it. I said, I'm open to anything. I mean, we got everything going, but I don't know. How would you control that thing? I don't know either. And so me and my wife. So me and my wife had some talks about the laughter thing, you know, and I said, okay, so let's, let's not try to go in that vein right now, okay? Let's just stay with what we have, okay? And let's just, so I'm, I'm preaching, okay? I'm preaching, all of a sudden I heard a little giggle. I thought, boy, that voice sounds familiar. <laughs> but then I thought, well, maybe I didn't hear it, and so I started preaching again, and it got a little louder, and I said, my wife's giggling. That's not good. <laughs> so I'm down, I'm preaching, so I go over next to her. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. So my message tried not to say, what's wrong with you? Can you stop your laughing? <laughs> then she starts laughing more. <laughs> True story. So I walk back over again. I said, can you calm down? And there was a belly. It come out of her belly. I thought, I thought, oh my God, it's here. <laughs> this is what I did. I said, oh my, and it jumped from her to another lady. I thought, oh my God. So before that service was over, it hit like 10 people. <laughs> but listen, it really didn't hit me at first because afterwards I thought, why did you do that for? Now we got this laughter going on in the church. Just something else for us to carry. She goes, you need some of that stuff. <laughs> so look who got it. Isn't God good? So right now, put your hand on your heart. Okay? I want you to repeat a prayer after me, and the Lord's going to answer, and he's going to answer you quickly. Because whenever it comes to stuff like this, and we're asking the Lord to show us things, a lot of times the first thing he says, we'll reject it. Because we don't believe that could be it. Amen. But put your hand on your heart and repeat this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I want more of you. Show me what I need to die to 
to receive more of you. I'm desperate. I'm so desperate. I need so much more of you. I know something has to die. And that's inside of me. Show it to me. In Jesus' name. Now lift up your hands and thank him. I'm telling you, the first thing that comes to your mind, that's what he's saying. Don't toss that off. Just don't toss that off. Okay? Because we can sit there and go, no, I got that under control. No, that's not really real. How I many know God knows everything? Amen. Amen. So right now, whatever he showed you, start offering up to him as a sacrifice. If you need to forgive someone, forgive them and let it go. You just got to let it go. Everybody say, let it go. You just got to let it go. Let it go. Start stacking up the chairs. Put some music on. We're going to come and pray. I'm going to pray over the very thing that the Lord showed you. I don't know what it is. I don't need you to tell me what it is. Amen. But I feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. Isn't God good? I believe we're going to go deeper than we've ever gone. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? I know that I've entered a season where the Lord is requiring something of me because all of a sudden the cry in my heart, I'm going, I'm not dead enough. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to show it to me. Show me the area that I'm not dead enough in because I want more of you. How many of you want more of him? The more that you need is going to come through, you die to this thing. Amen. Amen. Make a straight line across here. Just make a straight line across here. Just make a straight line across here. Just make a straight line right across here. Yeah, just line up straight across. We're going to pray for this whole line across here. Amen. Amen. While you're waiting for me to pray for you, just put your hands on your heart. I've done a message. I've done a a few sermons, a little mini-series on showdown. You know, the showdown. The Lord spoke to me about showdown a couple months. The last one I did, I gave everybody, if you see, like my youth, you see a lot of us with the white handkerchief. Wesley has one hundred. A lot of us brought ours. With us. We carry these things around with us because the showdown that I preached the last one was the death of you and me. And I gave everybody a, a white handkerchief. After I spoke that message, the Lord says, take this to your quiet time. So I've been taking it to my quiet But then he said, now you take it out of your quiet time and take it with you. This is what they wear right now. Because the Lord says, you look at this and grab a hold of this constantly to remind you that you're dying to yourself. 
Amen. Because how many know that this is a sign of surrender? Amen. Listen to me. We got to surrender. Okay? You're not fighting so much the devil. You're fighting God. Amen. How many of you understand that? The biggest enemy is the one within, not the one without. Amen. We become our biggest enemy because we're not willing to die. Amen. Isn't God, oh, hallelujah. We're all going to come and pray for you. Amen. So I don't want you to tell me what it is because I really don't want to know what it is. Amen. But I'm going to pray that that thing that God show you, that you start dying to it right here and now and that you get total victory over it right here and now so that you can go further in the tabernacle of, of, of the presence of God. How many you want to go? We sing the song, Take Me Into the Holy of Holies. It's good a lot of times that God hasn't done that because we have some stuff in us that wouldn't stand in there. That needs to be blown out of us. Amen. Amen. Turn the music up and we're going to come.